Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. So if you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor. That includes diets, surgeries, and exercise. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and consult your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back, OSLP family. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to Our Sleeve Life Podcast, and this is Kelly. This is Mel. And today, oh, we have a good one. We do have a good one. We have one that's people have been wanting for a while. Yes. Yes, yes, We yes. have an actual bariatric therapist on the podcast. Yeah, we do. And not only is she a bariatric therapist, but she is from Australia. Yeah. Which is kind of cool um, because this is, I think, the furthest away we've... This is recorded. the furthest away we've ever yes. made contact. <laughs> we made contact. It's like we're contacting aliens or something. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's welcome Lisa onto the podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hi. How are you both? We are we are ready to rock and roll. That's right. We have some interesting questions mm-hmm. from our listeners. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we are excited to pinpoint those. Um and really get some some questions answered. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of questions from the community because they're just like kind of confused just because not everybody has to do any therapy Yeah, prior. And mm-hmm. then like before, mine was just like a checkbox. It was just like phone call, mm-hmm. 10 minutes done. Yes. So, and I never saw anybody after that. Wow, that's kind of scary, actually, for right? me. I find that a little bit scary. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, we know that like people that go out of the country – that that after care of the therapy and stuff like that, that's not that's not there. So uh, we have a couple followers that they've actually said, like, I wish that I would have gotten the nutritionist appointment and the therapy appointments like regularly yeah. before, because it really helps prepare you, I I believe. Yeah, absolutely. It makes such a difference when you have a whole team of support network on board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did six months of therapy Mm -hmm. and I feel I like I still struggle, but I feel like I was better prepared for what was going to happen versus Mel, who had one appointment for 10 minutes. Well, because I feel like I had probably like five to six meltdowns and breakdowns. Mm -hmm. And do you think Mm -hmm. you had any of those because of the food? And. The emotion with the I f- food? I Well, it's kind of hard because I I can pinpoint one exact meltdown. Okay. And it was when I was still married. Well, I'm still married, but when we were still together. And I don't know if it was like us fighting or if it was a breakdown because of the weight loss. Oh. Like, But I know it was a, it was a big one. And like everything was rolling through my head of like, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, and just feeling very overwhelmed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can pinpoint one. Yeah. Mine was like five to six of them of like, which is a lot. Yeah. 
That's yeah. how I realized I, I have a problem with food. <laughs> I was like, this is this seems more than normal. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, so, Lisa, can you tell us what a bariatric therapist is and what they do? Yeah. Yes. So bariatric therapists really just specialize in, so me personally, I've only ever worked in bariatrics. I've never done any other type of counseling. I didn't specialize in this after doing something else is literally it. This is my jam. This is all I do. Um, So for me, it's really about working a lot with, um, body image and emotional eating Mm. and unpacking um, reasons as to why we may end up in a bigger body and then reasons for wanting to change that Mm -hmm. and really just shaking off all the social stigma involved with all of it. Social stigma for being in a bigger body, social stigma for wanting to change that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just horrible the way society kind of um, judges and then we internalize all that and it gets really murky. Mm -hmm. Um, So really just being able to unpack Um, how it all intertwines and how our relationship with food intertwines with everything that's going on in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I like that unpacking, (laughs) unpacking that term Mm -hmm. because that's that's, back the layers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like an onion, like an onion, you know, the Shrek term. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of what you do. I going through six months of therapy before I was like the first couple appointments, you know, was like, okay, like what, what, how was your childhood? Like, how is this? Like, how do you deal with food? And then as the like third appointment midway, it was like, I really started understanding what I was doing and that I was in control of what I put into my mouth. And that was the biggest, like, light bulb moment I can think of when I was in therapy. That makes sense. Of saying like, oh, it wasn't just the medication. It wasn't just my diseases. It was my, my control of putting whatever I wanted in my mouth. And so once that like kind of clicked over, I, I think I was mm-hmm. able to um, deal with everything a little bit better. I would imagine mm-hmm. that'd be super helpful. Yeah. To, to have that. <laughs> to kind of come to that realization mm-hmm. and have a professional help you come to that realization, not just breakdowns yeah, break in your living room <laughs> yeah. uh, over the fact that you can't eat food uh bedroom shower you know yeah, whatever whatever works <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny you say that over like that you can't have the food because there is a lot of kind of grief and loss style counseling in, involved as well because it's a relationship your relationship with food is a relationship mm-hmm. and suddenly if someone takes that away from you and that's your only coping mechanism mm-hmm. you're kind of left high and dry like well now what do i do because i can't i can't use that as a coping mechanism so right. I'm stuck. And if you go into surgery without having anything planned, then yeah, those meltdowns are going to happen. So it just hits you out of the blue and you're like, shit, no one, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, uh, I know that my relationship with food was very like control based. And so mm-hmm. once that was taken away, it was like, okay, what else can, can I control? Mm. And so mm. that, that was my relationship and it wasn't, so much emotional as it was just that like that control aspect yeah, i would say mm-hmm. mine's reversed yeah yeah because after surgery i felt freeing that i had control over my food oh. it felt nice to know that all i had to do was do protein here veggies here i gotta hit these numbers and i'm a numbers girl but mm-hmm. if you, you guys are. know me you know that i love numbers so yes. like it felt like a whole new like way of living was like it was lighter but because mm-hmm. before i had no idea why i was eating so much I just thought I was like, this is just what I do. Nope. Didn't realize that there was like a whole connection to it. Yeah. Well, and the hard thing (laughs) is, is that food is everywhere. Yeah. 
So <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like you can just be like, like with alcohol, you're like, if you don't drink, like you can just be like, okay, well, I don't go to bars. You know, I'd rather not be around people that, but with eating, like you have to eat to live. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. And it's about kind of reclaiming that relationship with food, I think, because, um, you know, you can't, no two humans in the world eat the same. No two mm-hmm. humans eat identical. Yeah. So you can't yeah. kind of script something and say, here you go, mass populations, eat this. It's no. not going to work. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, what do I actually enjoy? Mm-hmm. And making sure that those foods fit as well as everything else that you're still working towards your surgery goals, but reclaiming that kind of for yourself. Yeah, to, yeah, definitely. When do I want to eat it? Why do I want to eat it? And then go in for it. In that yeah. way, you know, I know that I have a uh, an issue right now with eating at night and mm-hmm. I we we have I've come to the realization that I do it when I so I restrict all day mm-hmm. because I know that I'm going to like do that binging or I'm going to eat in the middle of the night. And so I restrict myself so that I can make like. I can control You're planning. it. Yeah. I can control it. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah. And yes. so what are some, maybe some tips to kind of help with that, with that sure. kind of. I think that's actually, there's something called night eating syndrome. And I think it's something defined by um, maybe, I think if 25% of your food consumption mm-hmm. is night and you fast in the morning um that is actually like it's a syndrome they're calling it night eating syndrome so it might be worth a a google as well to look into kind of the science behind that um but yes some tips and strategies that i would kind of be looking at if you wanted to change it like if it's making you unhappy doing that um looking at the reasons kind of like okay what's happening here what's underneath what emotions am i trying to kind of suppress or numb mm-hmm. okay? um, because there's probably more to it going on underneath and it's just a coping strategy it's just mm-hmm. food is there it gives us that instant dopamine hit and it makes us feel good about ourselves in that moment yes and then we reflect on it later and then we start to have kind of that guilt and shame can creep in and you start thinking ah, oh, why did I make that food choice mm-hmm. um, so I think exploring it with um, curiosity and compassion Give yourself some space to just get curious. What's going on here? Why am I doing this? Do I like this? Is this fulfilling something in me? Not beating yourself up, not with shame and judgment, just curiosity. And then give yourself some space to explore it nicely. I like that though. Yeah. Like don't be a bully to yourself along the way because it's tricky enough to navigate this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So just get curious, first of all, and then think I'm going to explore this and I'm going to be nice to myself along the way. And then start thinking like eating now, what do I want to eat? What am I actually craving? Is it a packet of Tim Tams? Sorry, I don't know if you guys have Tim Tams. What is that? We do not have Tim Tams. Is it Tim Tams? Tim Tums? Tim Tams. Tim Tams. Tim Tams. I'll send you some. They're good. Oh, okay. We'll take some. Yeah. Of biscuits. Um, okay, so, you know, do I want a packet of biscuits? Is that what I'm going for right now? Or is there something else? Do I need, am I sensing that I need some connection? Mm. Is this just that it helps me feel relaxed and this is my time out? Is there something else that could give me that dopamine hit? And it's not about replacing this for that. You know, I'll just have a glass of water instead. That kind of stuff doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we're human. Life is complex. Sometimes the biscuits are going to win. But if you mm-hmm. give yourself the element of choice, you might actually sit with it and realize that's not even what I want right now. What I really want is just some relaxation or time out or time in mm-hmm. connection. 
or I want to do something else that's going to give me that dopamine hit. I actually just want to put on a face mask or paint my nails and make myself feel good about me. Yeah. Because this isn't making me feel good about me. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. and then if it turns out it's one of those really crap days where you're like, no, the biscuits are the only thing that's going to cut it, then you've given yourself permission to do so. Mm-hmm. So there's no need for guilt and shame to creep in. I right? like that. Well, because you're treating yourself so nicely during the process. I like the whole Curtis yeah. curiosity. Yeah, curiosity. Yeah. Because it doesn't hurt to, yeah. to ask yourself. Like, yeah. It doesn't hurt at all. Like what what could what could go wrong by you asking yourself why? Well, and the something that really is the connection that you're talking about. Like, are you seeking a connection? I mm-hmm. I am living by myself for the first time in my adult life. And I'm kind of almost coming to the realization that that's what I'm craving mm-hmm. at night. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're when like, I'm going and eating. Yep. I'm craving a connection, and yep. the connection that I have built with food is be- mm-hmm. kind of bridges that gap. Yeah, one hundred percent does. Not like that, man. <laughs> so kind right, of. So then you're thinking, okay, what else can give me that sense of connection? Yeah. What can I do? Maybe I can reach out to a friend. Maybe I can um, read a book. Maybe I can get on and listen to some stuff, music, whatever. Um, yeah, and think, explore that nicely. nicely. Because if you don't do it nicely, you just beat yourself up. And then when you beat yourself up, we use food to self-soothe those emotions again. And it's kind of a vicious cycle. So just kind of sit with it and be like, oh, what's going on here? I'm going to get curious. What other options can I give myself? Oh, I like that. I'm going to make a list of options. There you go. For myself. That's like, okay, you you don't need to eat. What do you need? What can you do instead of that? Can you go on a walk? Can you call a friend? Can you, you know? Yeah, there's clean the house. Clean the house. Just distract yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I can yeah. easily clean the house for an hour and then I will uh-huh. be hungry. So, <laughs> well, it still wants to be something you you enjoy, right? You don't want to be punishing yourself out of eating. Yeah. You know, something cleaning is, makes you feel good. I'm not one of those people, but there are people out there that love cleaning. I wish uh, I was one. I, do. I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it because then when I look around, everything's like put in its place and I feel like I'm in a comfort zone. When yeah. it's not clean, I feel a little like spazzy. Yeah, because it for yeah, me it's yeah. like an achievement for the day. Yeah. So if uh-huh. that's done, it's that whole I don't know who said it on the TED talk, but like making your bed in the morning. Oh yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I have a feeling you yeah. knew what I was talking about because I was like, yeah, like that's that's a big deal. Like if I make my bed in the morning and I like pass by it every day because I work from home, like it's good. It's clean in there. I did that. I did something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's instant gratification. Yep. And it does make a nice space for you. So you feel more organized and that type of thing. So if it's something that you enjoy, indulge in that, you know, make yourself enjoy. It. But um, yeah, make sure that what you're choosing as your replacement for food is still something that's enjoyable. It's not a punishment. It's yeah. not to just create a distraction to keep you away from food. It's what else is going to give me the dopamine hit? What else is going to make me feel good about myself? Uh, okay. Okay. I can so like that. kind of stepping back here because you've only done bariatric mm-hmm. therapy. How did that happen? Why only ther- Why only bariatrics? Yes. Okay. So I did, um, I had a four-year counseling degree and I got to three years and thought, I don't want to do counseling anymore. Okay. And I thought, now I want to go into nutrition. That looks really exciting and new. Um, so then I thought, well, there's no point in going doing a whole new four-year degree in nutrition. What I'll do is I'll go back and finish the counseling and then just do like a master's of nutrition, which would be a much shorter process. Oh, that's a and cool option. when I went back to do the counseling, I ended up getting put in an internship with a bariatric psychologist. Oh, perfect. Oh, nutrition and psychology go together. Yeah. 
I still did the uh, master's in nutrition, um, but used all of that nutrition knowledge and worked in the kind of bariatric field and tried to find a way to marry the two together. Wow. Yeah. Um, Having a background in the nutrition and understanding a lot more about the pre-op and the post-op diet stages um, really does help complement, I think, the psychology behind how difficult some of that can be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What is the main difference between like general like counseling versus bariatric counseling? Yeah. So general therapists can definitely, um, I mean, they're skilled enough to be able to help through that type thing, but if they don't specialize, it would be like someone coming to me for something like grief and loss or something that I just don't work in. Like, sure. I have tools that I can give them, but I don't specialize in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and unless you really know what's going on in that bariatric world, um, and I think so, because there's just so much, you know, every man and his dog thinks they can give out nutrition advice these days. Yep. You know? <laughs> like, um, there's so many kind of influences and stuff just giving out advice that I think it's really easy to fall into that trap that if for, you're just a general psych or a counselor, therapist, whatever, um, you kind of believe mainstream societal views oh, and okay. in, infiltrate in a negative way. Yeah. Um, because the general population don't really get it <laughs> when it comes to weight, all that stigma and fat phobia and all that kind of stuff that happens, diet culture. Uh, mm. um, yeah, that can really be perpetuated through people's work, unknowingly doing more harm. You know? Yeah, like subconsciously because they're seeing it, they're surrounded by it. It can mm. actually cause a bias and it causes yes, a problem absolutely. even for them. Wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't really think of it that way. And I yeah. like that you said everybody and their dog, not everybody and their mom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just because I love my puppies. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you a shout out there. <laughs> That's so cute. That's so cute. So when it comes to um, the reason why we become obese in the first place, um, mm. so kind of stepping into that diet culture kind of area mm. and like environmental society genetics how i mean this was your question it so, was yeah because yeah. it's more or less like what is the difference because that we, we know there's people out there that don't ever have a, a problem you know i mean everybody has their vice we get that but like with food though it's different like we have this full-on relationship so i just don't know like are we different is there something going on that can be preventable not preventable like what what makes this more of a obesity i guess mm-hmm. yeah and it's so complex, hey, because there, like you said, there's so many multi-layers and things that contribute to obesity that you can't pinpoint one kind of reason. But um, I guess for the most common thing that walks through my door as a counsellor in the clinic, um, I tend to see kind of two streams of people. The first is people who have been chronic dieters okay. for their whole life. And often people whose mums put them on diets when they were really young, bless, like, you know, when we know better, we do better, but it happens. Um And what we know now, what research shows is actually that most diets lead to weight gain. 95% of diets will lead to weight gain. Um, So people tend to, I mean, I'm not sure if people will be able to see this, but we start kind of here, okay? We start fairly neutral and we're feeling a bit shit about ourselves. So we go on a diet and we lose that weight. Mm -hmm. But eventually we will eat normal again because we're human and that's life. Mm -hmm. So we put it back on and a little bit more. And then we're feeling shit again. So we go on another diet and we lose more and put it back on and a bit more. And slowly over time, we end up all the way up here. Oh, no. That was me. (laughs) Uh Okay. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
And along the way, not only is your body being wreaked havoc on by doing all of this, your mental health is getting shot to shit too, because every single diet comes with their own set of rules. And when you break a rule, that guilt and shame comes in. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to self-soothing through more food. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just a really vicious, yucky cycle. And it's just, it's hideous that it happened. And diets were like a huge thing in the 80s and the 90s. And it's just done so much damage, so much damage. Um, So I see a lot, like 90% probably of my clients have that kind of chronic dieting history. That's a high Um, rate. Yeah, I I didn't think you were going to say 90. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was was like 60, 70. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, the majority of the people that we listen to or that we talk to, they they've done diets. They've done every diet out there. Yeah. And I mean, I did every single diet out there. I've Mm. done Weight Watchers twice. I did keto. I did. Uh, just working out. I did cutting, mm-hmm. you know, like cutting out all sugar, mm-hmm. soda. Mm-hmm. And yeah. every time, like I'm trying to, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, I, I lost it. And then I gained it more, plus more. And mm-hmm. then I lost it. Yes. And then it was, it's that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. And restriction leads to binge, right? It's a one-way street. So as soon as you restrict something from yourself, um, it's all you got to think about. And when you finally eat it, you'll have 10 times more than you ever wanted to in the first place um, because restriction will lead to binge. Um, So knowing that kind of like surgery is not a diet Mm -hmm. and post-surgery, all foods fit, but you get to decide how much and what and when. Mm-hmm. Not some page of a glossy magazine or something like that. Yeah, um, you get to choose. And that's probably why I liked it so much. Yeah, I got to choose. Yeah. 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 So I like to think of more in a, um, you know, post-surgery life is kind of like a food script. Okay. So if you think of like a, like a, like a wheel, a circle, and everything you want to eat in a year is in there. Like cake is going to be in there because there's going to be birthdays. Christmas is going to be in there, whatever your cultural preference is, right? There's going to be all the foods. Um and then you kind of have a compass on the outside. And if you can picture a way a compass moves when you move oh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're kind of like, yes, I'm living in line with all the foods that are in there. All my veggies are in there. All my proteins in there. But yes, there's a bit of cake too, because I'm human and it's life and there's going to be cake. Um, and you can kind of think, yes, I'm living in line with this. Or maybe you're starting to go, I'm eating cake every day, five times a day. Right. Mm, my compass is telling me something's a little off here. I need to get curious and compassionately explore this. <laughs> um and you think, what's going on? So it's not like diet land where you have hard and fast rules. Okay. I'm supposed to eat grams of this and da, 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 because that's where that, oh no, I broke a rule and I'm going to feel guilty and shameful about it. It's more, oh, these foods do fit. And yes, I'm living in line with that. Or mm, no, I'm starting to not live in line with that. What's going on? Okay. I like that. I really like I'll you. Compass. I like your analogies <laughs> and like the way that you do things because it's very visual. It helps like, <laughs> like literally like you're like, yeah. like, like I'm driving a Super Mario Kart or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got to do, but that's okay. It's because I'm, I'm very animated. So watching someone else be very animated, it's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I will agree with that because yeah, I'm it. very animated also. Yeah. I use my hands a lot. I'm Facial expressions. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, and I think the compass analogy really works with like the way your brain should work about food, that Mm -hmm. it's not shameful. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can have these things, but you're just saying like, okay, well, I had cake this weekend. So let's like readjust and we'll just kind of, you know, go back. You know, it's just like it's more it's less structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people need that, like you said, because diets are yeah. very structured. Oh, so structured. And then you fall out of it. 
And then yeah. you go buck wild. <laughs> yes. You have all of the things yeah. every single day. And that's why you, that the gaining happens. Uh-huh. That's yes, correct. Yes. So the, the diet history is, um, yeah, that's probably the most common reason that people come through. And also the second one is if there's been any form of trauma in the past and food is the only coping mechanism that has been used to kind of process that. Yeah, so um, that one's me. Okay. So, yeah, so sometimes that's the case. And then we just start thinking, okay, well, what other coping mechanisms can we start to build up for you um, so that when you're feeling down, but also, you know, emotional eating it gets such a bad name for itself. It does. Um, it does. Okay. So when we're babies, we come out crying and the first thing we're given is food. Okay. It is innate. We're given food the minute we enter this world. Um, and then in childhood, it's often reinforced, you know, like, oh yeah, you passed your sports thing. Let's get McDonald's on the drive-thru yep. on the way home. Uh, go to the doctor, get, get a needle. We'll give you a lollipop. Um, pass your test. Let's get a chocolate bar, whatever. Um, so it's kind of reinforced then in childhood. And then as adults, it's the one learning skill that we have that works every single time. Um, so it's kind of understandable why we would use food. And everybody does, like everybody does. It just depends to what extent that we do. Um, so again, when you find yourself emotionally eating, just be, oh, cool, what's going on? Explore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah, I can, I, I can literally visualize my life as that you know, like you as a child and I can like see me doing it with my, even my nieces. Like if you're really good, we'll go to McDonald's. Yeah. 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 Like, yes, I try, like I work in this field and I try so hard, but sometimes, you know, my son is playing up and I'm like, Oh no. And I find myself doing all the things I say I'll never do because again, I'm human and it's life. Right? Yeah. We have to be realistic. Um, we try our best all the time, but sometimes, you know, an old chocolate bar for good behavior. It's, you know, you can't, you can't help it. Yeah. Um, Yep. But yes, it is about kind of reminding ourselves and keeping that in the forefront of our mind that that's why this is happening and it's okay. So now I'm just going to maybe make a different call for myself mm-hmm. and it's fine. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, what I do like about this is like you're, like you said, building a script. You're building your own script for yourself, it sounds yes. like. Mm-hmm. And yes. what I like about that, and I think I'm going to start using this to other people, is like, you know how old people be like, why are you eating that? Oh, know, yeah. They get like an attitude about yeah. like what you're eating. You're not supposed to be able to eat it's that. It's so weird. Oh. And I'm just like, it's, this is my script. This is what I do. Like, right. why do you care? Like, let, I'm just doing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm making my own decisions. Mm-hmm. And this is what yes. I'm going to do. And if I'm going to eat half a cake, I'm, uh, that's my choice. Right. And I'm going to eat half a cake. And if I want to take yeah. two hours to eat a salad, I'm doing it. Leave me alone. <laughs> Yes. The comments from other people. I work with, um, I do have a handful of people who really struggle with the comments. I mean, it happens. People just feel like it's okay to comment on bodies and body sizes, um, food choices. It's weird. It's a weird thing that people have. So if you're listening and you're a supporter of a bariatric friend, don't comment on their food or their bodies. It's never okay. It's never, never. acceptable to yeah. anybody. Um, and it really irks me that people feel like it is okay because it's not. Um, so real boundaries really set those boundaries. Like my body, my business, my food choices, my business. Like, yeah, I like that. My body, my, my business. My body, my business. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. And I grew up in a household where like, that was a, actually, we were all bigger, like the whole family is, but we actually, that's one that we never t- talked about each other's like food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You guys were very like set, like 
you didn't talk about each other's Mm-mm. food. Like you ate what you mm-hmm. ate and mm-hmm. that was your choice. Yeah. Like that was the one thing. <sighs> so it is weird now when I get it all the time, especially in the first two years of post-op, I was like, leave me alone. Like, mm-hmm. what is yeah. this? <laughs> I think there, and yeah. there also is a difference between curiosity and questions Yeah. yeah. versus comments. Yeah. So, yes. cause I'll get questions like, well, what do you eat now? Or mm-hmm. um, h- how much of that can you eat? Or, you know, like they're mm-hmm. they're honestly like just curious yeah. about the process. Yeah. And yeah. that I find OK. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. questions are fine if you're yes. curious, but comments on it like, oh, yeah. should you be eating that? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's horrible. Or yeah. that, that look, that look they give you. It's the judgy eyes and you're like, whoa, they're turbo. My God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the first two years I didn't or for the first like year and a half, I didn't have any sugar. I didn't really have any carbs. I was very like very structured in the way that yeah, I dealt yeah. with things. Um, yeah. And after I started kind of, you know, incorporating some of those things back in, I would mm-hmm. get the looks yeah. from people. Like if I had a cupcake, they'd be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can have a cupcake at my niece's birthday. Yeah, yes. I totally can. I can have two if I want to, because it's my choice. <laughs> yeah. It's not yes. your choice. It's not on you. Like if yeah. I gain five pounds, that's my choice yeah. versus like, I don't need the look. I don't need the judgment. Like I've gone <gasps> through a lot already. These judgy. Yeah, no, that that judgment, this stigma, literally like, uh, it makes me want to literally shake it off. Like, mm-hmm. I can't stand it. It's horrible. Um, there's just no place for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. people's bodies, their business, their food choices, their business. It's yeah, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Is there any other common themes that you see when um, us bariatric patients come in? Mm-hmm. I guess that's the two main walks, the, two main the, um, the chronic dieting. And then if there's some sort of trauma that's led to using food as a coping mechanism, Got it. um, there is usually then you can find some kind of similarities in stories. Like with all the, like we're talking about here with, um, people making comments or, um, you know, <sighs> No, it's gone. Sorry. Okay. Lost it. <laughs> it happens all the time. I'll oh, be like, no, you don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> Mid sentence and it will just like yeah. disappear. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's gone. Apparently That's we gone. didn't need to know that one. Yeah. And it'll come back later on. It does. It'll come back. 4 a.m. I'll wake up and be like, bing, that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. useful night. Right? That is so funny. Yeah. What are some signs of needing therapy? Mm, okay. After, or even before, before yeah. after, like, what are some signs that you really need some, some extra help? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some red mm-hmm. flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you're really any point where you're just struggling, obviously the decision-making process around getting surgery, mm-hmm. um, you want to be 100%. That's a question I ask people, how much percent are you committed to this surgery? And if they say something like 80% or 99%, I'm like, whoa, breaks on because you need to be 100. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that 1%? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the decision-making process, it's not an easy decision to make. It can be life-changing. So you really want to make sure you're 100% committed and you've made an educated, informed decision about what it's going to look like afterwards for you. Um, Needing support networks, obviously, mm-hmm. depends how your family and friends, sometimes they're supportive, sometimes they kind of sabotage us. Um, so yeah, exploring some of that and exploring just relationship with food. You want it to be a positive one. This isn't diet land. You don't want it to be punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to make sure you're feeling happy and at peace, at peace in your head, no inner conflict, one thing saying this, one thing saying that. Um, you really want that inner peace. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So if there's any yeah. kind of noise in your head, talk it out. Talk it yeah. out. Okay. Well, I think for me beforehand, I didn't even realize I was doing anything wrong. I didn't realize I had any problems. Like I felt like I was happy. I felt like I was pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize that like, oh, there was something happening here mm-hmm. that I didn't, that just wasn't shown to me. Like, um, mm-hmm. cause looking back, like your family just brought this food. My husband's a great cook. He just cooked food and we just, that's, but we enjoy food together and we go to restaurants and try different foods all the time. And like, I just didn't know like what was the connections until <laughs> afterwards when the restriction happened. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it feels weird. Cause you have to really actually check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, then, I feel like that's what therapy is. Yeah. Like you're, you're doing a checkup on yourself and you're checking in. And if there's a problem, you know, if it was your car, you would take it to a place to get it fixed. And that's what therapy is. I like that. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. I like to think of it like going to the dentist, you know, you don't need to wait till you need root canal. Sometimes we just go in for a clean. Yeah. Um, Don't wait till you hit crisis point. Check it. Even if you feel like you're at the top of your game and you're winning at life, you're motivated, you're confident, you're feeling good. That's also a really good time to go to therapy because we can unpack all of that. And then in the future, when things aren't going so good and you hit a little dip, then we go, okay, well, what was all the things you were doing back then when when you were feeling great? How do we start to get some of this back? Uh, So even going to therapy when you're feeling really good can be helpful. That makes sense. I have Kind of future-proofing. Yeah, I've never heard that. And I kind of... I kind of really like that. Yeah, it's like it's preventable care on your brain. That's what it is. That's it. I love it. So you don't need a trauma to happen in order to go to therapy. Yes, people. Do you hear this? Yeah. Yes. You can go at any time and everybody. There's always stuff going on in our lives, right? There's always stuff to talk about Mm -hmm. um, and how that impacts how we feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I, I relate to that because... My my family was always very pro therapy. You know, anything mm-hmm. happened, like my mom was right there, like, okay, we'll book you a therapist. Like, and I I mean, I had some shit therapists. Like you did. I, I had one fall asleep while yeah. I was talking. <gasps> no. I was so oh mad when God. that happened. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. another thing. Um, you have to therapist shop because yes. there is so many different styles of therapy and so many different styles of therapists, right? Mm-hmm. So um the relationship that you have with your therapist is where about 90% of the work is done. Okay. So for me, like I like CBT and I'll give you worksheets and tools and stuff, but that's, it's, it's not really where the work is being done. The work is being done in the relationship. So if you don't have a connection with the therapist, move on. Okay. <laughs> like shop okay. around. Definitely therapist shop. Find one that you feel is a connection with you. And it really doesn't matter what their um, mode of therapy is because the relationship is where the work will get done. If that makes oh, sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm, that Complete makes sense. sense. Yeah. I know that, uh, I had, uh, I had an eating disorder when I was mm-hmm. mid teens, which that also contributed to the diet, mm-hmm. everything. Yes. Um, yeah. and so I, that was initially why I started therapy was to deal mm-hmm. with that. And I, now looking back, I realized I never dealt with it Mm-mm. because I never had the the therapist that would help me through it. I just kind of <laughs> realized what I was doing wasn't healthy mm-hmm. on my part. And then mm-hmm. it went into immediate diet culture after that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, I was just going to say that actually, because we haven't touched on eating disorders or disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is another very common theme, but I kind of tie it in with the chronic dieting because 
um, often people in bigger bodies with eating disorders, it's not seen. Like people think if you are in a bigger body, it's not possible that you have anorexia mm-hmm. just because right. you're big, you know, nobody asked, well, when was the last time you ate? Was it three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that is perpetuated in diet culture and, um, all the stigma involved in that. So yeah, a lot of unpacking eating disorders and disordered eating pre and post surgery, because a lot of people will also go through with surgery and still never have addressed any of that. Mm. And, you know, I still see people now who maybe bulimic or starving themselves post surgery because they didn't unpack it beforehand. So definitely like if you resonate with that hundred percent reach out and get the help because um, it's too pigeonholed that the help isn't there for eating disorder support. If you're a bariatric patient, which, mm-hmm. you know, which is a shame because it's not true. Well, and there I've heard help. from, I don't remember where I heard it, but somebody had said that it's common for people that are for bariatric patients post-op to develop anorexia. Ooh. Because Ooh, gosh, of scary. like that restriction, restriction, just the restriction mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yes. And then you're yeah. like, I know for me, I was so scared to gain weight. Mm-hmm. I was like the anxiety just like ramped up whenever I thought mm-hmm. about like gaining anything. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's changed now. But, uh, you know, I've heard yeah, I think from that several has people. To- yeah. And also it's good if surgeons kind of lay it out on the table from the get-go that eventually, you know, you, you may start somewhere here and you're not, the aim isn't to get to zero. <laughs> you don't right. want to be walking around emaciated. Um, so it's somewhere on your journey. You have to stop. There has to be a plateau. Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually is a little bit of gain. You know, it might only be a couple of kilos, but there usually is a little bit of gain before you hit your kind of lifelong plateau mm-hmm. and being open and upfront about that and knowing how to deal with it when it comes so that you don't catastrophize and think, oh my God, I'm going all the way back to the start mm-hmm. again. And that's not the case. I mean, it can be really scary when it happens if you have no foreknowledge that um, to expect that, that yeah. there will be plateaus, yeah. there will be little gains. And that doesn't mean you're failing or anything's going wrong. It's just part of the process. Yeah. I didn't realize that that would happen. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I got down to my lowest, which was like 141, which was, it was too thin. I, I realize that now. Um, and then I, I hit my, cause it was my goal weight. And I asked my, my nutritionist, I was like, so what do I do now? Like I've hit my goal weight. So what do I do? And she's Mm -hmm. like, well, just be prepared. Like, as you, like you've hit your goal. So now you're going to start. Like you may gain a little bit. You might gain 10 or 15 pounds, which is exactly what I've gained. Um, But I didn't realize it at the beginning. Right. So I hit my lowest and then I'm like gaining a little bit and I'm like, what's going on? It's because I ate potatoes. I knew it. I knew potatoes were evil. (laughs) She literally would. I wouldn't even eat it. She would call or Marco me. And that's what she would say. She's like, I I just don't. I don't know. I had like two fries and I'm like, what are you? What are you doing right now? Yeah. Like that two fries can't make you gain a pound. Like a pound is 3,500 calories. <laughs> that that diet brain is really hard to get over when yes. you're so used to like putting something like put a negativity on your food. That, mm-hmm. That's what you do in diet. You're saying, oh, this is really bad for you. So don't eat this. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you internalize that. If you have like a good food and a bad food, you know, if you eat an apple, you haven't saved a life. And if you eat a burger, you haven't murdered someone. It's food has no morals. Because um, if you think I'm eating bad food, you internalize like I'm a bad person doing a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And that's icky and yuck. And then we self-soothe again with the food. It's just all these vicious cycles that come out of that diet culture. Um, yeah. Really yucky stuff. I really mm. like that, that 
it doesn't save a life to eat an apple yeah. and it doesn't kill somebody if you eat a burger. I love that. So just you guys remember that. <laughs> just remember that. I, I'm going to think about that next time and be like, when I'm beating myself up, I did not kill anybody. It's fine. I can hear it now. That's, yeah. That's going to be great. Kelly says it's fine. Kelly says it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if what kind of, cause you've been, you talked a little about it that you give homework. What kind of tools do you give your patients? Yes. So um, depending on what stage of therapy, there's one that I like to do that's like a narrative therapy letter writing task. And this is really good as a pre-surgery or just in that beginning stage. Um, And you kind of fast forward 12 months time and you write a letter to yourself today. Oh. Oh, right. And you're like, hey, how are you? This is what your life looks like today. This is what's happening. This is what you do on a daily basis. This is what, you know, you might be in a new job, a new house, who knows, right? This is where you are in a year's time. And then you come back to today and you read that letter and you're like, oh, thanks, future me. I really needed to hear that today because I have no idea where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, And it kind of becomes a bit of your plan then because you think okay well this is where i want to be now so these are the steps i'm going to take to get there oh and it kind of reinforces those goals that you had in the beginning that you may have forgotten across uh, you know as you went along yeah Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, I wish I had done that. I wish I would have known about that. That's freaking yes. cool. Like we should just do that now. Yeah, we should. Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. I actually, I have some um, downloads on my website and I actually tried to do one this morning. Counseling is my jam, but technology is not. <laughs> um, so I try and create these things and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Um, oh my gosh. With a pie chart, which is a pie of responsibility. Mm. Okay. So you kind of think to yourself, this is a, a good one, again, pre-surgery for if you're trying to create a plan, a foolproof plan. Um, you think who is responsible for the weight coming off? Okay. And people will either say I'm hundred percent responsible or the surgeon is hundred percent responsible. Oh, wow. ah. The truth is it's more of a kind of 50, 50. And then we start thinking, well, who else is going to be responsible? You know, if you have no dietitian, how do you know what to eat when? So they need a piece of the pie. Okay. Um, is your mental health support person part of your pie? And you kind of end up with more of a 50-50 who's responsible here for helping me. And at what stage am I going to reach out to these people? How do I know when to check in with the nurse or the surgeon or whatever? Um, and then with your 50% that you're going to take responsibility for, what things are you going to do to make sure that you're staying accountable to your goals? You know, are you going to go for a walk? Are you going to make sure you take your vitamins? Whatever it is. Everyone's is different. Wow. I like that. I, I like that you just called them vitamins. 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 What do you say? Vitamins. 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 Yeah. vitamins. I'm going to start vitamins. saying it like that. Hell yeah. It sounds really fast now when I say it. Vitamins. Vitamins. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense to do it that way. You're taking ownership, but then you're also um, kind of future planning for yes. if something kind of comes up you know which direction to go in to kind of reach out and get help. Yes, absolutely. And also, you know, if people who want to give 100% of the credit to the surgeon, it means that then come 18 months time when the kind of weight loss, the rapid stuff really slows down, 
um, you have no accountability and no sense of control over your own weight loss. You just think it just happened to me. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then you're not taking the credit. You're giving all the credit and all the power to someone else over your body. So you want to feel like, no, I made this happen. I went for my walks. I did this. I did that. And that's what made this happen. I didn't just give the power of my body away to someone else. I think that goes along with the, the, the stigma yeah. of weight loss surgery. Yes. Because everybody yeah. thinks like, it just happens to you that you took the easy way out, that you cheated. No, no, no. Yeah. And it's like, you have to take, I think because people, I mean, some patients think that, you know, obviously, because you wouldn't say it unless they do, of it just comes off. I didn't do anything. And so then that, that is what that stigma is pulling from. Oh yeah. Versus saying like, yes, I did this. I worked out. I ate the correct things. Like, I stayed on plan. Yes. So you have to yes. give yourself credit when credit's due. Well, and yes. some people just judge us just because like some people are really good at their meal planning mm-hmm. to where like mm-hmm. they don't really need to work out. Like I've we've seen mm-hmm. these people. We know who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome that you can do that. Mm-hmm. My body does not like that. I have to have all the things going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but like when they see that, they're like, oh, they all are like that. And it's like, no, like still have to work out over here, like mm-hmm. still have to play on all these things. Like it's not just a surgery and then I just eat better. Like that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's no, so and it's, it's the hardest way out. It's not the easiest way out. You've had to try every single thing up until that point and you've had to face all the stigma and discrimination along the way. It's actually, you know, it's there's nothing easy about it. It's no, no, I wish that people would realize that. And that's, I mean, and that's what we do. Yeah. 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 It's not easy. It's yeah. hard. It's the hard way. It's very hard. And you're like physically changing yourself yes. on the inside so that you can mm-hmm. make better choices. And it's not just, you know, some people say like, I wish actually we talked to somebody that they, they kind of hoped that they had met, like been able to do it without surgery. Oh yeah. And <laughs> like they had surgery and now looking back, they're kind of wishing that they hadn't. Um, mm-hmm. And but that's not very common. No, it's um, not. but I think that, you know, a lot of us make that decision. Like you said, 100 percent, you're in mm-hmm. and you're physically mm-hmm. changing your insides so that you can make a better yes. decision. It's just uh, I wish that there was something that kind of outlined everything that went into mm, this process. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I think what I yeah. get frustrated with is that like. Say, you know, you're just you're Joe Smo off the street and like, have you uh, talking to this person and be like, have you ever just all of a sudden had a drastic change where you have to change your mind and body at the same time? Because that's that's huge. Mm -hmm. It's it's like getting hit by a car. Like it's all of a sudden, boom, you have to do all these things. And now like you're almost a different person. So, you know, like I know I'm very different than what I was before. So it's just frustrating when they say that it's the easy way because it's like it's not a button to where everything's changed and you're just who same thing. Yeah, it's not that way. It's not a button where you just like push it all the weight falls off. You have a beautiful, gorgeous body. And, uh, you know, because then I would be like, yes, it's the easy way out. 100 percent. 100%. I will take that ownership of that term. But it's not. And it takes you, you know, some people it takes years to get to their goal weight. Or, mm-hmm. you know, once you get to your goal weight, then you have all of this loose skin and you're having mm-hmm. to save for plastics and you're, you know, you're constantly not com- still not comfortable in your body because of that. Um, so yes. there's a lot of that goes into mm-hmm. it. 100 mm-hmm. percent. 
I mean, that button. Yeah. And checking in with that body image along the way, like you want your head to keep up with your body along the way too, so that you don't end up in a smaller body with all the same amount of dislike and, you know, body dissatisfaction and body image issues as you did at the beginning, because you keep shifting the goalposts on yourself and just finding something else to beat yourself up about. Yeah. Oh, I do that. That's interesting Mm. take. I, I definitely, like yeah, yeah. Okay, I, like shifting the blame. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I constantly pick out the mm-hmm. things that I don't. Like, I'll be marcoing her, and I'll be like, oh, I hate my arms. And I'll, be like, sit there and, like, do this for, like, five minutes. And I'm like, or, like, my stomach or my legs or, you know, like, it's whatever I've pinpointed on that day that's, yeah. like, out. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, instead of just enjoying the fact that I've lost a hundred pounds over a hundred pounds. Like I'm continually picking Mm -hmm. out those parts of my body that I don't like. Yeah. Cause recently Mm -hmm. we had a, I thought it was a great little like real, I can't remember exactly what it was, but you're like, I look pregnant. And I'm like, no. Oh, it was that red dress. I don't understand how you even look like literally it was a front view of you and you look flat (laughs) and your boobs were just up. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like why, why did you even think that you look like (laughs) Because that's what I do, apparently. Yeah. I just like pinpoint. Negative self-talk and just finding the next thing to beat yourself up about because it's comfy. It's comfy to stay in that place where we're mean to ourselves because it's familiar and it can be challenging to be nice and kind to ourselves because that's unfamiliar. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm comfy here. Um, It's starting really slowly with just a bit of, you know, gratitude. You know, so grateful for my arms because I can hug my friend today. This is cool. Right? Who cares what they look like today? That type of thing. Just start with gratitude and slowly build from there because we're not going to turn around one day and just wake up and be like, Whoa, I love my arms. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just doesn't work that way. No. But when we start with gratitude and thinking, okay, what can my arms do today? I can hug my friends. I can reach for things. I can eat something. Like, this is nice. Um, yeah, start with that gratitude. And um, the more you build on that, the less that little voice in your head is there kind of, given out yeah no I think uh also with with that like I think with as a society like there's a very thin line between like you know liking yourself and then Mm -hmm. like that negativity because you don't want to be egotistical yeah or (laughs) be like self-involved because you take all these photos and it's like there are certain times where I'm like oh I really like my hair today yeah Good. I but, love those days. But then I think, oh, is that egotistical? But no. I think that society, like, you know, I don't want to get a big head or like I'll look and I'll be like, oh, I look kind of thin today. I like it. And then I'll be like, I got to talk negative to myself because I just talk positive. No, I get it because that's why I don't take photos for the longest time. Well, because I was like, why does anybody care? Does. I feel like I'm like, this is just like too vain to be like. Look at me. Look at me. Vain. What I'm doing all the time. Like, That's a good Why term. are we just doing selfies all day long? It's like, like, I didn't think that it's a, I thought it was a bad thing, but really it's not. It's no. not at no. all. It is perfectly okay to be proud of your body and yeah. happy with yourself, especially when you've gone through the transformation, the renovation that you've done on the outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've committed time and energy and money to do this kind of renovation to your body. Be proud of it. Like, yeah, show it off. Because no, if you I did a it. renovation in your home and you were showing off pictures, <laughs> nobody off. would say anything. It's true. No, they'd be like, "Oh my god, look at those cabinets!" Like, yeah. "Oh my goodness, oh, that fridge, flooring." Like, yeah, yeah. But if you say, "Oh, I've lost a hundred pounds," they're like, "Oh, she's vain." Yeah, she takes selfies all the time. Yeah, look at those side by side. There's too many. I hate it. I know. Oh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna start using that. And be like. 
it's a renovation. You wouldn't say it <laughs> if it was to my house. So don't say it. And it's my body. If I want to take pictures all the time, that's what I can do. Yeah, my body, yes. my business. My body, my business. Mm-hmm. Feeling the empowerment. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, real quick, I just want to mm-hmm. touch on uh, divorce yeah. Mm-hmm. statistics mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. everybody knows that's where I'm at right now. And I've been really mm-hmm. interested in hearing about, is it a higher statistic in the bariatric world? Is it not like, what, mm-hmm. what do you see the most when it comes to divorce and bariatrics? Yeah. I mean, the actual stats, the numbers, I don't know, but I do recognize there is a prevalence for divorce post bariatric surgery. Okay. Um, and there can kind of be two reasons why this might happen. Um, First of all, we might have someone who um, actually they benefit in some way from us being overweight. Mm. So there was some secondary gains there that they had their own egotistical stuff that was involved around being with a bigger person mm, that made that reflected on them well. Okay. Something like that. Um, the other one can just be that we have a new sense of confidence, a newfound confidence in ourselves and the partner doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't suit them. Yep. Um, and so, yeah. And then you think, well, this is me. This is who you married. Um, you know, why don't you like this confidence in me? Why did it suit you that when I was unconfident, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we do see that. And, and, you know, we see it play out in friendships too. Sometimes friends like being the friend of a bigger person. And then suddenly when that person is small, it doesn't suit them to be that person's friend anymore. It's it's upsetting um, and it's hard to see, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, and it, it all comes down to your kind of boundaries around those friendships and relationships, how that unfolds. And um, yeah, again, just being compassionate to yourself along the way. Their shit is their shit. You don't have to carry that. Like, just give it back to them. Yeah. Oh. going on. If, if, if it suits you to be with a bigger person, you don't like me being small, or you don't like my confidence, then that's actually your stuff to deal with. I don't need to carry your stuff. Yeah, I always say that, like, that's their problem, not mm-hmm. mine. Yeah, like, that's, that's on them. Not my circus, not yeah. my monkeys. Yeah, because we, yes. we and her have both lost friends during this process because they just, <laughs> they're just not part of our, like, fits that mold anymore. Yeah. Because um, we've noticed, yeah. like, I feel like some of our followers mentioned us about this, too, of, like, it's like they think we're against them now. Like, there's, like, a like a fat friend group. And then yeah. you're like, now you're on the other side of it. So you can't be part of the fat friend group anymore. Oh, and it's wow. like, yeah. yeah, that kind of makes sense. That does. Cause wow. like a couple of my yes. friends are still big and they don't want to talk to me. So yeah, <laughs> it yeah. happens. I mean, you have to look out for the saboteurs, you know, the yeah. ones that are kind of like, oh, eat the ice cream or mm-hmm. here, honey, I made you a cup of tea. And they've put like a spoonful of full cream or something in there really random that you're like, oh, what's that all about? Why are you spiking my food with high calorie foods? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. And you're like, what? Um, so, yeah, there are red flags. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yes. Yeah, I actually, my husband left me and then it was like, what, two weeks later, my one of my really good friends, which starting to realize she wasn't that great of a friend mm-hmm. um kind of like announced to me that she thought that I was judging her and I wasn't like it was it was a really weird situation and so I like mm-hmm. lost my husband and then lost the friend within mm-hmm. like a couple weeks of mm-hmm. each other and mm-hmm. this was a I thought was a very close friend um mm-hmm. and so that I can definitely see that in her with her like her email mm-hmm. I obviously won't say what the email said, but like mm. she was pinpointing points about like 
her own problems mm-hmm. with her own weight and saying that it was Kelly's problem. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Like I because was making she's smaller, her feel yeah. a certain way. And I oh, was wow. like, nope, nope, that's she is totally deflecting and that is her problem. And do not feel bad about that because I think that that email showed a lot about what her issues are. I was oh, like, yeah. nope. Yes. You need to see a therapist. Yeah. She, and she was like, I cried to my husband every night because all you would talk about was your weight. And I was like, pretty sure I don't. I, I mean, I'll take the podcast. I talk about the podcast all the time, but mm-hmm. I don't just talk about my weight. And no. um, I was like, and if you're crying to your husband every night, shouldn't you talk to me? <laughs> Like, yeah. shouldn't you have a conversation with me? Like, because I had no clue that this was even happening. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So. Scary stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I feel lighter now that mm-hmm. she's not in my life. Like, I feel like it was like this, this, this force, like shoving me yeah. down. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to worry about <laughs> what you think if I'm not eating ice cream or cookie dough or whatever else. Well, she also sabotaged you. She, she took did. you to Aldi's twice a day, three days in a row. Andy's. Andy's. Yeah. Wow. For ice wow. cream. Custard yeah. ice cream. So, like, that's <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, like, yes. once while you're there, fine. But, like, you're only there for, like, five days and you guys went three different times. Yeah. That's that's crazy. She's like trying to plump yes. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and she did ask. She did ask. She was like, "Do you care if we go?" But it's like, obviously, if you go, I'm going to eat ice yeah. cream. Like, I don't have that willpower when it comes to Andy's custard ice cream. Like, if we're there, I'm eating it. That's about yeah. it. So, yeah. but then also my future ex husband, he also used those same tactics. So like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, let's let's get you a kid size instead mm-hmm. of a medium. Oh, it yeah. was mm-hmm. like a full on like I can't eat a medium, but did I mm-hmm. push myself? Yes, I did. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's real red flags. And it's really horrible once you start to see it because mm-hmm. you've gone so long unseeing it. Mm-hmm. And then this can bariatric surgery can really bring it to the forefront, bring it to light. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, don't let the saboteurs win by engaging in that. And also then don't go away feeling bad about yourself and then needing to self-soothe through food because it's like, you know, what is that saying about um, someone being angry and then you drinking the poison or something? Oh, um, oh I don't know that one. Yeah, like like if, if someone gets angry at you, if you're angry at them, you're just drinking the poison. It's not actually affecting them. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's kind of the same. If you go off then and start, you know, um, secret eating or sabotaging your own surgery goals because you're feeling bad that you're having an argument or your relationship is falling apart, um, then you're just doing damage to yourself. So right. you're kind of letting them have that. Ah, um, so, and it's like- never going to feel good. And when we know that food is our coping strategy and then suddenly we have relationship problems, Food is the number one go-to. So again, it's just kind of be nice to yourself and figure it out in other ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that uh, when I I had gone to therapy right after my husband Mm -hmm. left and something that she said very much stuck with me. She said, when you when this divorce is over, do you want to look back at that time and Mm -hmm. look at it with that you handled it with grace and that and, and that you were kind to not only yourself, but the mm-hmm. decisions you made. And mm-hmm. that stuck with me because there's certain things where it's like I could I could definitely be a little, you know, petty 
I will admit. Yes. But for the most part, I feel like I've handled this with grace. Oh, 100%. And with compassion of like where we're both at. Um, And I think that's also goes along with weight loss surgery. When you look back, Mm -hmm. do you want to look back and say, I treated myself with with niceness and Mm -hmm. grace and I gave Mm -hmm. myself the opportunity to grow and learn Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. beating myself up every day because I made the wrong choice. Correct. Yeah. And and it has a huge knock on impact as as you go. And it just takes more practice to be kind and graceful to yourself because it doesn't come naturally. What comes naturally is beating ourselves up and that's our comfort zone. Um, So it can be challenging to step out of that and be kind to ourselves. But the more we do, it's like riding a bike. It's a skill set. We have to practice and practice and practice and practice until it comes more naturally. Yes. Do they teach you kind of like where that where does that come from? Like, why are we so negative to ourselves? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is it like a female thing? Does that come from, remember all those glossy magazines that we used to get? I had to read them when I was a teenager. And now I look back, I'm like, those things should be illegal. I don't even know if they're still out there. I hope they're not. Cosmo. Um, yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. 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 Um, All stuff about how to change your body and things that we had to do to ourselves. It's just, yeah, really outrageous stuff. Uh, And I think that's probably where it stems from. Okay. That makes sense. Those were... I'm not trying to be rude, guys, but that was totally ran by men. And that is. Yes. Why. It totally right. was. You go. There was no women CEOs back then, guys. Yeah. Because we wouldn't no. be that much of an asshole to ourselves. Yeah. No. So. Remember those sealed sections and you had to rip off the little thing to get the access to the sealed section? Yep. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck, yuck, yuck. And yeah. lots of like eating disorder stuff in there as well. Yep. Yeah. I yeah. think, honestly, now that you're saying that, I think that's where I first learned about eating disorders. Like, mm-hmm. and how to have an eating disorder and like that that was even a thought in my head that that oh. was fine. I did not know that yes. until health class in ninth grade. I had no mm. idea what an eating disorder was. And wow. then I would like pay attention to my friends because they would tell you in high school, like, Listen to your friends mm-hmm. when they go to the bathroom. Check on them because yeah, yeah, there yeah. might be going something might be going on there that you just don't know about. Yes, yeah. Actually, this is a bit of a feminist t- uh, tangent, but I remember there's this Naomi Wolf quote um, that says, "If women weren't so preoccupied with body image and dieting." what else would we have been able to be thinking about mm-hmm. when we weren't filling our minds with that? So if you can picture over the course of your lifetime, since high school, whenever this sort of stuff happened, the amount of times you've been thinking about your body, your food, yeah. your body image, yeah. your diet, if you were thinking of something else instead, would there be a gender pay gap? Because oh. we would be accelerating ourselves as women because our minds would be free to think about other things. Other things, that yeah. Men don't have on the same level. Men definitely do have body image issues and um, all this as well, but not to the same extent on a societal level. It's not perpetuated um, in the right. same way. Yeah. So would that gender pay gap be there if I hadn't been thinking, what else would I have done with my life if I wasn't wasting it thinking about my body? Well, I'd be the know? president. Yeah, like we'd be rolling, <laughs> right? We'd be you rolling the with me. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'd be ruling the world because that's the deal. Like mm-hmm. we've been like tr- trying to be controlled like yes. like women have been trying to, as much as like yeah we're in 2021 and we don't want to believe it no. we pay gap is like starting to like finally you know get to equal but like people don't want to really believe oh hey guess what there was a whole time we couldn't fucking vote 
There was a whole time that we couldn't have jobs mm-hmm. until World War yeah. II. And then we actually went and got the jobs. And then when they came back, they put us back in the house. Like it was like yes. they literally yeah. controlled what we did at all damn times. And then they controlled what we read, what we ate, ah. what medicines mm-hmm. we can have. The fact that mm-hmm. there's a whole line of like women diseases and disorders that we didn't know about till like yes. 90s and in the 2000s mm-hmm. because yeah. they just thought we were lying we're hysterical mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're liars why we're, we're the mother of your fucking children why are we liars <laughs> i don't yeah. get yeah. it well and i know that my grandma she actually was hospitalized in like the mental hospital because she mm-hmm. had depression mm-hmm. like it was Think just about that, it was people. just depression but she was actually hospitalized for it yeah when, you know, she was probably in her, I think my mom said like 30s. So, I mean, wow. it was all, I mean, she's like, been gone for quite a few mm, years now. But, but still, mm. like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, people suffer from depression. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I suffer from depression yeah. and it's, you take a medication and like, sometimes you got to check in with your friends and you, you have those yeah. things. But it's not like, you know, I told Melanie, like, I'm feeling kind of down. Okay, well, you need to get checked into the mental hospital. Immediately. Like, immediately. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't and, know how to deal with and you. We were just talking about how like my confident, like my my time is different because I used to always like prep for mm-hmm. like what I was going to be doing. Like where if I was going to mm-hmm. sit somewhere, am I going to be able to fit there? Like there was all these like emotions and anxieties that were have in my head. that like mm-hmm. no one knew because like they can't be up here. So mm-hmm. like but, I don't think anybody's want to be up there. Right. <laughs> but because like, yeah, because like once after surgery happened, and I lost the weight like. I don't have to think about those things anymore. It feels really freeing that I don't have to be like, oh, my God, is someone going to say something in this outfit or like, am I going to be uncomfortable in the movie Mm -hmm. theaters? Like, am I going to sweat too much? It's summertime now. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't wear dresses back then. I like Mm -hmm. and I love, love dresses now. Mm -hmm. Like, ladies, if you don't like dresses, just wear them. It's like a nightgown you can wear outside. (laughs) Put bicycle shorts or yoga shorts underneath because yeah. it tucks your it, like it keeps you all like it contained and then if you like yeah. bend over and like your butt shows or anything or you fall through a gap in chairs like Melanie um you can like you're not flashing everybody it's true story yeah. I did that last week <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Don't buy the Spanx, ladies. Just, Just get buy bicycle, bicycle shorts, shorts from like Marshalls, TJ Maxx. They're super cheap. So I wear better. them under all my dresses. Yes. Because it's just better. Sorry. Random tangent. Yeah. But um, yeah. question about body dysmorphia versus body mm. image. Because mm. mm. there's yes. a lot of differences, right? Or Yeah. So I guess body dysmorphia is when you're viewing your body as different from what it actually is. So you might be in a particularly small body and you see it as big. You might be in a big body and see it as small. Um, body image is taking negative emotions out on certain parts of your body and using that to beat yourself up. Oh, that's a good way. Does that make sense? You're not looking in the mirror and seeing something physically different. You're using your body as a reason to berate yourself and make yourself feel like shit. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Completely. That's so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So body dysmorphia, I felt like, I had it big and small. So like mm-hmm. I used to yep, tell people, probably. okay. Cause I used to tell people like, I felt like my brain would just stop seeing how big I was getting. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know mm-hmm. until I saw some photos like months mm-hmm. later and be like, Oh crap. 
Like, I don't feel like I look like that. Like, I don't think I look in the mirror. I don't see that big person like that. But then now I see the big person, not the small person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So that's like a body dysmorphia thing. And I can relate. I remember after I had my son, like the next day in hospital, I was like, oh my God, I look like an Olsen twin. I'm so small. I'm tiny. What the hell happened to me? So I'm like, no, I still think six months pregnant the day after I had him. What? But because that it happened so quick and like surgery, it happens quick, right? This literally happened, you know, the next day I'd had my baby, but surgery can happen really quick too. And it's hard for the head to keep up. Okay. Um, and so that's like a body dysmorphia where you see something literally is very different. Whereas body image is taking out negativity and targeting it at your body and using that to kind of perpetuate feeling like crap about yourself oh wow. okay. okay that's good to know now we can actually like define it yeah and use it yeah. correctly yeah because i know i i relate with that your your brain just kind of shuts off at a certain point when you get big mm-hmm. because that was the defining moment of me picking surgery was i saw photos of myself from my little sister's birthday and i was just like oh shit that's me mm-hmm. like i yeah. I had five chins. Like I, I was just like, I remember seeing it and I'm like, I don't, I didn't know. Right. I didn't realize I was that big. And now looking back, of course, I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. Is that our brain trying to like protect ourselves? Like, yeah, I'm actually not sure the science behind how that works, but um, quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, Whereas when you were saying about, you know, I'm picking up my arms today, that's body image. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just being mean to yourself for the sake of being mean to yourself and taking your frustrations out on your body. Yeah. Oh, okay. So now I get to yell at you. Now I know what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Be like, stop being mean to yourself. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I mean, myself, yeah, so I, a bully and you know, constantly putting you down. Yeah, so yeah. five nice things right now. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, if I was friends with somebody that was as mean to me as I am to myself, <gasps> I would not oh, be no. friends with them. No, so correct. Why am I friends with myself? I don't know. Yes. And then you got to kind of think, where is that inner critic voice coming from? And whose voice is it? Because most of the time it's not your voice. It's someone else's voice in there that's being mean to you. Mm -hmm. Um, You will know who that person is. So ask yourself, if you are being mean to yourself in your head, whose voice actually is that? 90% of the time it's not ours. It's usually like a parent or a loved one or yeah. Oh, I have to dive more into that. Yeah. Stick with that one. Explore that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, definitely. We should write it down. We should just be like, when we have a negative thought, just be like, hey, is it me or is that like a parent or something I've heard from somebody or like, is that an actual, I like that. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. And practice talking back in your head. Like, actually, thank you for telling me that, you know, my arms don't look good today. Thanks so much. Um, I actually don't need that today. I'm actually really going to enjoy using my arms to hug my friends and I'm having a really good day and I don't need that voice. So shut up. And then the more you practice in your head, eventually it will come out at the person, but hopefully in a way that's formed nicely, um, and not too aggressive. Um, yeah. And you'll get stronger and stronger being kind to yourself to silence that inner critic and then developing those boundaries in the real world to actually say to people like, mm, I don't really need that toxicity. Uh, stuff coming into my head that love it love it that's a great way all right I feel like we might be missing something I feel like we're missing a lot but I feel like we may need to do a second part to this (laughs) I think we do there's like a so much more on this list oh my goodness would you be okay with doing a second part 
Yes, we could literally talk for days. Okay. I think so too. Okay. Because okay. I'm really enjoying this conversation um, yes. and I'm, we definitely are going to have to do it again because there's so much more questions. And I love like your mm-hmm. analogies. Mm-hmm. You make I've, it very <laughs> relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not clinical with you. So no, like, no. so I think that's the difference is that sometimes, you know, we've ha- it's been a hard trying to find therapist people to, yes. to be yes. on um, because yeah. like, yeah, you're right. If you don't gel with them. And that's yeah. why I think like you could totally be our therapist because we totally oh, gel with you. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> other people that we message and talk to that were like, mm, probably not. not so much. Not so much. Yeah. You yeah. know, and they're yeah. way more clinical, clinical jargon is just like, what's the point? Even I don't understand clinical jargon a lot of the time. It's not relatable. It's yeah. not real life. It's not down to earth. It's too hard. Yeah. It's my eyes hard. glaze over. I don't. It's yeah. I'm yeah, like, I just I turn under- off. Yeah. You turn yourself off. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Well, yeah. then with set, we're going to come back. Yes. We will have a second part <laughs> with. Ah, I'm so excited because there's so much more like I want to talk about. And it's just, yeah, that like we could ex- expand on all these subjects. Seriously, so. Lisa, we yeah. love you. Yes. Like, this has thank been you. super helpful. I, love you guys too. Like, you. I think you came in our lives at a, like a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Because, Good. like, I think we needed, both of us needed to hear some of these things mm-hmm. to get us, like, mentally nice. back on track, you back know? Back on track. Yeah. yeah. Because we back have been, Beautiful. We've been pretty mean to ourselves, I would mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Shake it off. Mm-hmm. Shake, shake it off. Yeah. Literally. Just shake it off. You're supposed to oh. shake it off. There you go. There you go. I just was thinking, like, oh, that's Taylor Swift. Shake it off. And then yes, I started, yes. yeah, I started playing in my head. So I was a delay of the shaking. I'm like, literally shake it off, Mel. Come on. All right. Well, we are thanking you from the bottom of our hearts for coming on because this was fantastic. And we are going to count down the days until we can talk to you again. Yeah. So stay tuned, guys. We'll definitely have a part two coming with Lisa. Yep. All the way in Australia. Yeah. Um, And if you guys want to watch this. Where do you go, Cal? Where do you go? You go to patreon.com forward slash OSLP and you pick your tier and you get all these cool benefits That's and you right. get to support your favorite podcasters. That's right. Because um, this, we have to pay all the bills to make sure this all goes out, man. Yes. So help us out because that's the tier that's anything 10 or higher. You'll get all of the videos. Yes. All of them. Yes. And we want to tour and yeah, we, wanna- we need help. Being able to tour. So if you guys help us out with Patreon, uh, we are getting closer and closer to being able to tour and come see you guys in your home state. That is what our goal is, is to break the stigma, literally like state by state, episode by episode. Like, Mm -hmm. let's do this damn thing. And give you all big hugs when we see you. Oh, I can't wait to give hugs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you guys next next time. time. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners, if you've enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review, and subscribe on any platform that you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on patreon.com forward slash OSLP for exclusive content with your favorite girls ever. Yeah. And also, check out our YouTube page. Subscribe, hit that little bell so you get notified when our new videos drop a week after they are released. Yeah, and we would like to give a big thank you to Anne-Marie Cruz for our logos, Eric Vaughn with 17th Street Studios because he provides our music and our recording yes, space. Thanks for listening to Our Sleeve Live podcast where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. 
That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.